Episode 24, this week looking at Winter Olympics, which has no alternate names, which I think must be a first. First broadcast on Sunday, the 18th of February, 1973 at 8.15pm. So, getting into prime time. So, unfortunately, Richard is still involved in his hunting aversion therapy and will not be able to join us this week. So, Tom, we're grateful that you've come along again. We're always pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. On that note, what did you think of Winter Olympics? Um, look, Winter Olympics is one of those episodes that wasn't played a huge amount of times in Australia. Or either that or it was just the one I kept missing on the ABC. It's an okay episode. It's uh, certainly not fantastically great, superb, but it's certainly not charity bounce. Yeah, I thought this was a really good example of an episode that's not bad, but it's not great. But I found there were so many gags all the way through it, just little lines, little extra stuff that was inserted, that I was laughing a lot. Even though there were times when the plot struggled a little bit, there were lots of stuff in there to make me laugh. So I really enjoyed it. Rob, what about you? I enjoyed it um, a bit more than Tom did. I thought the first, say, half to two-thirds was, 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 was very good, especially uh, in the hut, in the training hut. Mm. There's a lot, a lot of stuff there to enjoy. Yeah, that's very good that is. That is, yes. Uh, I, when they move to the igloo, some of the gags are a bit obvious, and then the, the actual activities, the actual sporting events, they get a bit same, same. But overall, I, I, I did enjoy this. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah, as I said, I was laughing a lot during this one, so we'll explore in a bit more depth. Now, it opens with the cover of The Sun... <laughs> Read yes. by Bill. Yes. And lots of jokes about a certain Julie Edge, which I didn't know about, but I think we've all looked this up. Who wants to tell us about Miss Julie Edge and why she gets seven mentions in the first few well, minutes? Apparently you can pronounce her last name, yeah, Tom. So you Julie Edgar, as it's uh, officially pronounced in her uh, native tongue. She was hailed as the upcoming new sex symbol of the 70s by... Sir James Carreras, who was the head of Hamahora at the time. So she had appeared in Honor Majesty's Secret Service as one of the Bond girls. And she was also in Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, did Up Pompeii and a number of other films of that time. So her name was being plastered everywhere in London. This is probably where the goodies actually started to use a bit of pop cultural and cerebral humour of pointing out what was happening around the times mm. there and plugging that into the show. It's a very contemporary joke. She was Norwegian, I believe. Norwegian, yes. yes. Yeah. Now, at this point, they're looking for work and, in fact, quite desperate and destitute, which, given that they've handed £99,000 <laughs> over to the, to the uh, guys in the new office a couple of weeks ago, kind of makes sense. Now, we then get our special guest actor for the week, mm. which... I think one of the most special ones. He is special. He is. So, Peter Jones? Peter Jones, the voice of the book. The voice of the book from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Radio and Television. Yes, and by definition, the LP and pretty much everything except for 
the stuff after he died. Yeah. Uh, also in Chariots of Fire, which is appropriate given that this is a Winter Olympics based episode. Whoops Apocalypse. Yep. Minder, Rub Hold the Bailey, Carry On England, Beggar Thy Neighbour. Huge career. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the book from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I think will always be what he's known for. And I thought he did a really good job in this. He did. I was immediately struck when he came on you could almost link this back to the Commonwealth Games episode where, again, it's the Ministry of Sport, effectively, who are looking for the goodies to fill the gap. So let's have that conversation. Is this a rip-off of the Commonwealth Games episode or is it a relaunch of that episode or a remake done better? It's a retread. It's definitely a retread. It's done much better. I think it's done better. Much yeah. better. And, well, Julie edges it. Well, <laughs> she mentioned in it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's funny because it is. I mean, in many ways, you're right. Beat for beat, it's very, very similar to the Commonwealth Games episode. But I think it works so much better. Mm. And perhaps that's just a reflection of the goodies getting a better idea of what works and how they can make stuff work. Yeah. Was it national pride that England won everything <laughs> rather than lost the Commonwealth? Well, to maybe they, they got some, holiday island. Maybe they got some uh, criticism about that one. <laughs> now, I did have a look, and the most recent Winter Olympics at this time was the 1972 Winter Olympics which is, was in Sapporo, Japan. Oh. Uh, these games were actually opened by Emperor Hirohito. <laughs> I then went on to notice that Adolf Hitler opened the 1936 Winter Olympics, <laughs> which means Mussolini is the only Axis leader not to have opened the Winter Olympic Games. There's a trivia announcement. But they weren't you. Winter Olympics. They would have been the Summer Olympics. No, no. Because 72 was the Munich uh, Olympics. Yeah, no, they were, they were at the same time back oh, then. the same time back then. It was only later okay. on that they staggered them. Ah, okay. Yeah. Something I didn't know. That's another piece of trivia for you. See, this is what you get when you tune into the Goodies Pirate podcast. We then move on, I think it's fair to say, to the, well, what I thought was the best part of the episode, which was the training sequence. Now, I'd forgotten a lot of this until I started watching, but suddenly it all came flooding back. Yes. And there's some really clever stuff there. The use of the shelves as skis. Yep. The training bed, nailing the skis into, Tim, into Tim's feet. Mm-hmm. What did you guys make of all this? I, I think it was a really, really funny commentary on the, the sense of British amateurism in sport mm. and struggling to come to terms with the loss of empire. You know, we'll, we'll do this our way and, uh, and we'll still triumph. I, I thought the sequence where they're, they're riding the blindfold, uh, the, the near miss with the bike and the car reminded me of National Lampoon's European vacation. <laughs> that, that, that certainly struck me. And, you know, the, the bit where they, they, they're going to use... Well, Bill actually tries to leap through the door and he actually misses the cabin entirely. That I thought was funny. But inside the cabin, yes, they're using all the elements within the room to generate the laughs. And as you said, that, that that's quite effective. And we noted a couple of episodes ago that the budget really feels like it's increased or at least been better used in this series. Yeah. Even something as simple as that machine that comes out and does all the stuff on the bed. Yep. They've spent, someone has spent a lot of time in the technical department making that device work mm-hmm. for a 20 second gag. Just actually wondering whether that's the, the pedal mechanism from the Trandom that they've actually cannibalised. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, flog- that, that, is, that particular little sequence there is something that I, I remember from my childhood from watching the show. Yeah, and this is a really good example in my mind of where they're just throwing in the extra little jokes. So, Graham gets to have the skeleton keys, which is the yeah. same keys with the skeleton on the end. Fairly grain worthy, but still, yeah. Yeah, or the little jokes like reading through the books, let's go skiing, let's go home. Yes. And it's that little stuff that I thought really carried me through this episode. Mm. But I know that the joke that the audience goes completely wild about is Bill almost getting crushed by a giant bed falling on him. Yes, yes. I just wonder whether they're seeing stagehands offset, you know, ready to drop it or push it, and they're reacting to that, or whether they've this is a second take, perhaps. Because... 
I did, just for you know trivia thing, I did note that the, the water and the oil on the bed disappears at part way through, and if you look at the floor, the floor is a complete mess. So I don't know whether they've reset themselves. And done a couple of takes. Perhaps, perhaps. But uh, yeah, the, the audience does love that sequence with the bed. And Bill is clearly terrified because yeah, he doesn't even get to touch it. He, he steps, takes a step forward and then bolts. It, it is funny watching Bill because clearly he knows what's coming. Yeah. He's trying not to telegraph it. And then as soon as it comes, he's desperate to just throw himself yes. out of the way. So that's really funny. Tom, what about you? Yeah, no, I think that certainly one of the high points is their uh, training session from there. And even the bit after the training session where Tim is getting Tim is on the skis with the skates and uh, and the boys are dragging him along. That that's quite clever and, and and amusing afterwards. Yeah. And of course that scene was actually been to go on a lot longer, but uh, oh, there really? was some stuff cut for time on oh, that okay. or for various reasons there was meant to be some ice hockey type of scenario around it as well with them on roller skates and okay. So but and uh, going out into into the crowd type of thing, you know, what being dragged on by the rope as well. Yeah, so. I also note that Bill's song there that accompanies the training montage, I'd like to be a winter sports. <laughs> it's actually one of the ones that I've remembered. Okay. And I actually think it's quite good because you actually get the lyrics and appreciate them. I think it's one of Bill's better little songs for, mm, um, mm. for which, a film montage. Which was a song on their first album. Oh, there you go. So it was deemed worthy enough to make the album that was released in 1974. They included that. Yeah. And, and it was uh, the B-side of the single of that year. Oh, wow. And again, some very good filming. Some of the stuff, of the way, the way that they film Tim on the skis. Yes. Particularly that shot of him taken from in front of him, but travelling backwards with him. Mm. That's, yeah, again, actually quite impressive. Mm. I, did, I did note that uh, if you look very carefully, the, the skis that he's rolling along on, uh, the planks of wood are actually joined at right angles by two uh, two metal rods just to make sure that his legs don't go sort of like, well, you can't see what I'm doing, but they're, they're shimmying around. So. Oh, right. And there's also a, sk- uh, a shot there of Graham Garden driving the sledge where I don't think he realises that he's full, his, his face is properly in shot and he looks absolutely <laughs> terrified. <laughs> so that's funny as well. That brings us into the second half of the episode where they arrive in the Arctic. Now, they then have the third iteration of the joke about a strange random object being a map. Training manual. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, it was a training manual in the one one. Well, no, because they, the, they have the cactus. The, the minister gives them the cactus. Yeah. It says that's a map. Then they have... The kettle. Yeah. And he says, oh, I had a good map, and then there's... I don't need... Did that joke land for you guys? I All I did was... Well, the relief... The cactus was good for the relief map yes. portion. Yes, yes. The other... Uh, examples of that in the no, they just they were just simply there. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. The first one was quite good, but mm-hmm. got silly after that. That's it. I do enjoy all the stuff in the igloo. They do some good jokes with around the whale blubber, and yes, it culminates in the yes. walrus pie. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the best se- uh, best joke in that particular sequence. I, I I thought some of it was a little bit laboured. You know, the, the flames that had frozen and uh, and uh, and Tim's hands sort of freezing over with a solid block. I thought, eh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, that, that worked for me. Okay. Though so it did warm up quite quick. Twice. Yes. <laughs> yes. So there are a few shots there of topless girls that I think we'll probably come back to in one of our segments. I'm sure. And then we get the segments on the tandem in the sky. Yes. Well, that's almost a trope, isn't it now? That's the second or third or fourth time they've been uh, on. Uh, yeah, and this is in fact the last time that they do it, which leads to a bit of an incident. Apparently Tim Brooke Taylor was injured twice filming that sequence 
So the first time when they were up on the bike, the Kirby wires that were holding them actually rubbing against the bike had snapped and all of them fell off, but Tim was particularly hurt. Mm. And then later on when they went to refilm it, they actually cut his hand open on one of the wires. And then if you read Andrew Pixley's book about the goodies, there's a full transcription there of the conversation he had where he went to the BBC nurse and she demanded to know what his BBC staff number was before she worked on him and then said, how did it happen? And refused to believe that he was on a three-seater bike suspended <laughs> in the air. And the and just was, you know, as he's standing there just sort of bleeding to death in front of her, and she's more interested in filling out the form and getting the details right than actually treating him. That sounds like an idea for a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect that perhaps this might be the start of a few of their gags and stunts being curtailed more by the BBC, well, or possibly even by themselves. I mean, there's mm. a point at which you go, you know what, we're just not getting on a bike three feet up in the air again. No. I mean, mm. even even uh, the outside broadcast sequences where they're riding the bike along and they, twice they, the bike hits a, a solid object and they, and they fall over. And uh, You reach a point, I suppose, where you think, well, how many times do I have to get, you know, hurt, put myself in yeah. danger of being hurt? You know, falling off a bike is not something that you can sort of laugh off. No, and however you do it, in, in those sequences, they are falling off onto concrete. Yes. So there, there is no safe way to do that. They yeah. were just falling off a bike on concrete. There's no visible padding. I mean, it's, no. it's just it's a strange thing. And even Bill uh, deliberately falls over inside the training hut. And I looked at that a couple of times and I couldn't see any noticeable padding holding him, you know, protecting him. So I'd take my hat off for their art. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. They then obviously put the heat lamp on the butterfly, yes. which is enough to melt the entire Arctic, apparently. There's <laughs> ah, a nice bit of uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, that's a nice little conceit there. And that leads to them obviously being the only ones prepared to do the Winter Olympics well. Mm. And then have that entire sequence there, which I think I'm with you, Rob. It wasn't awful, but the gag was a one-off Yeah, that gets dragged out to the end. Tom, how do you feel about this whole second half? Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I thought the training was far better than the execution of the actual Olympic event. I suppose, in a sense, the the build-up as you go through that sequence where they're competing and the water levels are getting higher and higher and higher, there's a certain amount of payoff to that, which is which is will give you a laugh. You'll chuckle mm. at that. But, um, yeah, there is a, it, it is repetitive. Yeah, it is. And it's also very obviously just done in a very British lake. Yeah, very <laughs> much. I, I thought that the... Of that sequence, the best portion of it was a simple sight gag where the three boys are riding the, the blow-up dolphins or something like yes. that, which I think makes it to the title sequence at it some does. point. Yeah. It does. Okay, so that brings us to our regular segments. The first of all is ads. Once again, we have another Beans ad. Yes. This time with Tim desperately needing to go to the toilet. Toilet, yes. And ending with him being knocked out by a large punching bag. <laughs> That was funny. There was, there's, <laughs> again, it's kitty violence. I don't, I don't know why. I enjoy that particular sequence. If you listen carefully, Tim says, I don't think I can wait. Yes, I can. When there's the threat of offstage violence. I, I, I found that very funny. I just the, the sort of pain, painful way he said it. It's a clever way to just get another version mm. of that being the times joke out. And I think it works well. But the second one is one of my favourite goodies ads which is the butter so soft that it spreads from the fridge. Yes. <laughs> Golden dairy margarine. <laughs> I just think that's wonderful. And again, it's something that makes it into the opening credits later in the series. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's it's extravagant. I mean, he opens the freezer up and, the, and it's just a, a, a deluge of yellow-coloured water. Yeah. <laughs> just And he's slipping around. It's very funny. I thought, actually, just before that, did Tim, with the wig on, look a little bit like Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> is there a certain, you know... 
Thatcher look to, to him? Uh, or am I just... You know, I think that's just the little old housewife Yeah, look. I, I think it's more a reflection Almost of them both both Thatcher and Tim look going for the same look okay. than right. a deliberate look at her. Going down the python pepper pot. Yeah, I mean, 1973, really? Thatcher would have been the education secretary, so yeah. she would have been around, but not a big... Yeah, I suppose so. Tropes and firsts. Uh, we have a Land of Hope and Glory speech, which actually gets subverted a little bit because yes. it doesn't end in we'll do it for patriotism, it ends in we'll do it for a lot of money. money. <laughs> which is quite funny. Any other tropes and firsts that you guys had? Well, um, the, the flying tandem, obviously. Yeah. And I understand that's the last time that's done? I believe so. I suspect because of yes, Tim well, as we, yeah. cutting himself <laughs> open doing it. What couldn't they get away with today? Probably the... Well, I can't remember what they called her, but uh, the Eskimo takes off her jacket. It was Nelly, wasn't it? it was well, Nelly? Eskimo Nell uh, was, I think, referred to for that. That role was actually played by Helly Louise, who was a Danish actor, who had bit parts in Benny Hill and Love Thy Neighbour, Weenie, Carry On Behind, but she started her life in Scandinavian blue movies. And she'd just gotten over to Britain and was put into that role. Yes, so yes, I yeah. don't. I don't think they'd get away with possibly no. well, from, going as far as they did. Well, she, from what I could see, when she sat down, you can see her in the background. She doesn't have a top on. You can yeah. see the shul- shoulder strap. So I think, yeah. Anyway, the audience probably saw a lot more. They did. They did. Um, and you wonder if they did that in response to Mary Whitehouse thinking they were such clean, nice boys. <laughs> or maybe it was just the cheapest and quickest way to do the joke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, there was a couple of minor things that I sort of had in there. Um, you probably wouldn't refer to them as Eskimos these days. No, Inuit, I think, Inuit, is the word, Inuit, yes. That would be the term. And I don't know if I'm stretching too far here, but given the reputation that Disney's Song of the South has these days, yeah. I'm not sure that you would do the song from it in an episode of television these days. Oh, is that featuring it, does it? Zippity Doodah. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. But, again, maybe I'm mentioning people wouldn't make that connection. Our favourite gag, gentlemen. Well, uh, my favourite gag was a, a visual. Tim having the planks of wood nailed to his boots and into his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Just Tim, Tim can do that sort of pained expression of surprise and, and pain at the same time and, and as they're being hammered in he does that little scream that he gives I, I thought that was funny and it's very well done because there's just that couple of goes you have to cut to Tim then they keep going yes. cut to Tim they keep going <laughs> they, cut, they keep and they just hammer at yes. home yeah I think they build that really well my favourite is a little odd one but it just resonated for me and it's a Graham Garden line it's when they arrive in the training hut and he's just doing this strange feeling the vibe of the room he says oh yes this feels like a secret training headquarters <laughs> and it's the combination of the randomness of the line and the randomness of the performance yeah. that just made it really funny for me but look that entire sequence in the hut i really enjoyed as well tom and i actually liked uh and you can have a nice relaxing massage and it just had the mallets coming out with a bit of oil <laughs> and it's just the visual thing and it was just going thumping down so much want to go <laughs> yes yeah, but all the way through it, there were, there were little things that I enjoyed. The whale blubber being brought out, I mm. thought was really mm. funny. The bit where Graham says he's warm and he's got little stovepipes yes. on, on the feet. The, the audience loved that. They, they yeah. really did, yeah. And, and this, again, is where I think you could feel them actively looking for what's a lifeline here, what's a lifeline yeah. there that keeps it going. So, look, Winter Olympics is not an original episode. No. Because they've basically done the same thing with Commonwealth Games. But to be able to find the humour in it, 
I think they do the training sequence far better. It's filmed far better. I think there is more money and more mm-hmm. interest in that. The extra little jokes, Graham being relaxed and, and doing his little stuff. I just thought it worked really well. And I thought getting in to watch this, oh God, it's another sport one. I've seen them do this before. Even on the collection of goodies we were talking about a couple of weeks ago in our special, they did the gymnasium stuff. It's more sport training. Mm. I thought it's going to be another one of that. I was laughing all the way through it. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what matters. I think the physicality that you get out of uh, mixing people with snow and people with ice enables you to, to, to rise above merely retreading, uh, say, something like the Commonwealth Games. So, I mean, even the sequence where they're outside the igloo slipping over, mm. that's very funny because I think they actually are slipping over the way they're doing it. Yes. And it's interesting when I reflect back to watching this as a kid, igloos and the Arctic and everything is one of those sort of really special images and lands and settings that for a kid really invokes a sort of a magical setting. So yeah. I remember it quite fondly for those reasons, but yeah, I enjoyed it. As did I. As did I. And so, until next time, have a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. of personal pride, not for the glory, not even for the thrill. We'll do it for one thing, and one thing only. A lot of money.